Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hey Look Listen podcast. Uh, my name is Jonathan Marcy, you may remember me, uh, and I am joined today by the wonderful Liam Sheehan, and of course, the ever brilliant and ever wonderful Owen O'Riordan. What's up? So great to have the guys back again. No, no, I'm only joking, that, that's not true. Um, you could probably tell uh, that wasn't actually them, that was just a recording. Um, and some very professional cutting-edge editing from our four-man editing team here. Uh, unfortunately, the guys can't be here, sadly. Uh, Owen is off honeymooning. Uh, congrats to him again on his wedding. Uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, and Liam is currently being held in Limerick City Garda Station. So, the less said about that, uh, the better. Um, but super happy to be back here again. Um, it's been a long time, obviously, since I've uh, been on the podcast. I've missed it terribly, um, and I kind of want to try out a little solo episode. Um, I've been, you know, very inspired from our our friend and fearless leader uh, Liam Shirley Sheehan. Um, his solo episodes have been absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, the guy has an absolute uh, gift uh, for 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 podcast really, and podcasting in general. So they've been kind of been inspiring. Um, so as I said, I've missed doing the pod a lot, but you know, the last twelve months for myself, I've moved to Ireland from Canada. We bought a house, which you know in Ireland is you know try to make it as impossible as they possibly can. Um, and I've also been doing you know work in a, in a kind of part time course as well. So it's been tricky to stay involved, even though I really really would have loved to. Um, but I have to say it's probably been more enjoyable to be a fan. Um, listening to the guys' episodes, on what episode forty one or forty two now, uh, has been really incredible. And Kev has been a you know an absolutely brilliant addition uh, to the pod as well. I haven't met him, uh, but hello, Kev. Um, I, I've really loved uh, listening to you uh, as well. Um, but I have had the podcast itch again for a little while and just couldn't really figure out what I want to talk about, what game, what what area. You know, definitely a few options where, you know, I probably jumped into some other ones. Um, but I think I, I kind of really sat down and said, look, let me try this solo episode. Let me give it a go um, and kind of figure out what to, to kind of chat about. So it, it ranged very early from No Man's Sky to the game I, I actually loved about three or four years ago. Um, I then spent worrying hours into it, um, but it never felt polished. It never felt fully finished. Um, and kind of the deeper you got into it, the less you were kind of getting back from it. Picked it up again, you know, only a few weeks ago, um, uh, mostly because, you know, all these great updates in the PS5 update. Jump back into it again, playing a different game. Um, it was absolutely incredible. Even kind of read it, you completely redid the, the tutorial and kind of entry level of the game, it just felt like it was brand new. Um, and so that hooked me in the big way. And I kind of thought, oh, that might be a great thing to talk about. Um, but then I kind of bounced around to some other things. Um, recently played Stray, which was a fun little, a fun little number. Um, uh, you know, 24 or 5 hours, so probably not too much to talk about there, but it was enjoyable for, for what it was. Um, and then, you know, Miles Morales as well, something I played recently, which was more Spider Man. Really didn't see much more else to it than that, uh, unfortunately. Um, and then I even thought about doing a recording of Far Cry 5. Now, the Far Cry games are something that I've kind of liked. Wouldn't love them. Wouldn't put them in a top 10 or top 20 or top 50 maybe even or anything like that. Um, but I always seem to kind of end up getting stuck into them and playing them. And I have played all five. Um, Far Cry 5, and I don't, I'm trying not to exaggerate here, but it could be the worst game I've actually ever played. Um, I finished it because I was just so incredibly stubborn i guess because i paid i think i actually bought it when it came out a couple of year maybe three or four years ago now at this stage um and it can be kind of been sitting there 
And so I wanted to kind of play it through. It's terrible. Um, but one thing on this podcast, which you might notice, is that we try to be very positive and talk very, you know, I suppose, lift games up as opposed to bring them down. Um, I would love to do one on Far Cry 5, though, and tell you how terrible it was, because I know I could talk about it for hours. Um, but then, kind of out of the blue, um, I received an email that made it very apparent on, on what I should chat about and what I should kind of do an episode on. Um, and that email is from the lovely Gabe Newell at Valve. It wasn't, it wasn't directly from him, it was obviously not automated email um but it's an email telling me that after one year two months and eight days of waiting my steam deck was finally on its way so i had originally ordered one when i was living in canada so i moved to ireland i was like oh shit i completely forgot i had that on order um i should cancel that you know, I'll, I'll pop in a new order for for living in ireland now surely the waiting time is reduced massively it hadn't uh, in any way whatsoever. So uh, waited over you know over a year for it, and now I'm actually seeing kind of in the last few days, um, at the time I'm recording this podcast, um, you don't need to pre-order anymore. You can just go on the website, get one, get delivered in a few days, which which is really awesome. They've kind of they've kind of caught up there. Um, but yeah, today I'd love to kind of talk to you about kind of those impressions of the deck I've had. Um, I've been using it for about a month now a lot almost every day um and i've definitely uncovered a lot of good stuff some great um some kind of less great stuff and even some bad stuff um and i'd love to kind of chat through that and also chat about how the air that comes out of the vent smells really good yeah sorry um but honestly i haven't had a level of excitement for a console since i was a kid maybe like the ps2 or something like that um and i think that was mostly down was mostly down to a few things it was it was definitely what the potential of the deck could be um, kind of following that marketing, following all the, uh, the the videos that Valve were kind of slowly releasing, and kind of all those early you know, review, you know reviews that came out from people like you know Linus Tech Tips and stuff like that, um, and kind of what it could be, um, and then I think as well part of that as well as I've just been you know I've loved Steam, I've had a Steam account for over a decade, I love PC gaming, and the idea of being able to pick you know my PC up and bring it somewhere. Was never a thought. It never occurred to me. I've definitely dabbled with kind of some, you know, cloud streaming and, and you know, PC sharing and stuff like that. It just doesn't work super, super well. So the minute I saw the deck, the minute I heard about it, I think I remember speaking to Owen and Liam about it. Just this thing was like, oh my God, this is I'm waiting for this my whole life. Um, so super, super uh, excited uh, about it. Um, I should say, if you're not familiar with what the deck actually is, um, it's basically Val's kind of venture into the portable console market. So, um, you know, a Valve obviously famous for, uh, you know, amazing games like Half-Life 1, Half-Life 2, Portal, um, you know, uh, uh, Portal 2, <laughs> Team Fortress, a whole host of fantastic games. And of course, you know, the absolute behemoth juggernaut that is the Steam store uh, is obviously from them as well. Um, you know, if you don't know what any of those things are, then I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. You know, maybe go listen to the Kevin Darty podcast or something or Owen's new podcast and so all right, you know, don't waste my time. Um, but first, let's kind of talk about some of the the good the, the, the good parts of what the Steam Deck was, and it was kind of my early uh, first impressions of kind of what it was. So I, I will say, kind of when I got the box, the biggest thing I was thinking about, and probably a concern, was the the kind of size of it. Uh, you know, how it would feel in the hand. Um, I remember chatting with Liam uh, when I think some of the early photos of it kind of released. Um, you kind of you saw that you know display of, kind of where the buttons were placed beside the analogs so high on the console 
Um, it just looked like such a beefy, beefy thing. You look like, you know, you look like four or five switches that have been taped to, to, to each other. Um, and I was really worried that, you know, the minute you kind of pick this thing up, you kind of go, oh man, this doesn't feel right. Uh, amazingly, the exact opposite really did happen. Um, the, the second I kind of took it out of the box, you kind of feel it in the hand. You're definitely going to okay, well, this is very, very big. This is, you know, the biggest portable I, I've ever held. Um, you know, flashes of the, the Sega Game Gear definitely come through your head if you've ever held one of those. Um, but it just, it felt right. It felt very comfortable in the hand. Um, those kind of, you know, rounded edges, I'd say, you know, the switch would be missing more of a flatter portable. Um, it, it just it, it just felt kind of comfortable. Now, I've got big hands, um, so maybe that could be a reason why, but my partner does not. Um, uh, and she found it very comfortable as well. She found it easy to hold. Um, it is a little bit on the hefty side uh, regard, and, and heavy side as well. So for long periods of play, I definitely found myself, you know, grabbing a pillow or a cushion or something like that. Um, but comparing it again to the Switch, which will inevitably happen the whole way through uh, this episode, um, I, I definitely didn't feel my arms getting tired or hands cramping up or, or anything like that, um, which was super impressive and really, really kind of surprised me um, as well. Um the box as well. I don't like doing unboxings. I think they're really boring. But uh, the only other thing that really came in the box was, you know, the charger and a carry case, which is actually pretty good. Um, now, I got the 512 gigabyte model that had, you know, the the, the anti-glare screen. I'm doing inverted commas in my hands. You can't see that at all. Um, but uh, it it makes a little bit of a difference, I guess, in, in the daylight. Um, not a massive amount, um, depending on the train or the bus or anything like that. You're still seeing reflections, you know. They're, they're not gone completely. Um, and I haven't, unfortunately, been able to get my hands on any of the other versions, so I can't really compare and contrast. Um, but, you know, was it worth it to, to, to fork out that bit of extra money for the 512? Probably not. Um, you know, it has that kind of expandable storage, so if you get one of the smaller versions, you know, you could spend the money on maybe a, a terabyte SD card or something like that and get the storage that way a lot easier. Carry case is cool, though. Um, it's a nice little thing to kind of get included in the box. You don't get anything these days, you know. I've never bought an iPhone recently, but you're lucky if you actually get the home. Um, so it, it, it was nice enough. Um, and then kind of back to the actual console, the, the two touchpads on the front were also something that I was really, really kind of curious about. Um, you know, if, if you haven't seen that kind of any photos of it or any images of it, it has two small little touchpads. They're probably, you know, just a little bit bigger than your, your thumbs um, on the left and the right-hand side. Um, and they kind of act like a mouse, right? Had some reservations here, but... I played a whole bunch of football manager um, in the first few days, because of course I did, um, you know, when I got the deck. Um, and it works really, really well. Um, I really didn't think it would. Um, but they use this kind of very subtle form of kind of haptic feedback that kind of stimulates the feeling of, you know, a mouse moving across a pad or a desk or something like that. But it was really cool. And it felt very responsive and very easy to use. I will say that, you know, they kind of all start, they're clickable as well. So it can kind of act like, you know, a, a left mouse click. That doesn't work as well, um, but you can easily remap things, you know, like a trigger or something like that to, to make it super, super easy. And that kind of customization is something I'll talk about later that, that just kind of pops up. But every time where I've got an issue, I kind of find a way to kind of step around and customize something else to, to kind of get it working. Um, the analog sticks are amazing as well. Um, some of the best I've probably ever used, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I don't really play that many kind of first person, you know, shooter games anymore like that because I'm old. Um, but uh, I jumped into a bit of, you know, Counter-Strike, just out of curiosity. I didn't get smashed to bits. Um, I was able to kind of play a little bit uh, and kind of, you know, 
felt it felt okay. It felt kind of it didn't feel natural. It definitely would rather you know keyboard or mouse or something like that. Um, but it worked pretty well. Um, and I think that's a huge testament to something that is is of its size, is portable. Um, that you can't just use it that, that easily and, and, and that efficiently. Uh, it also has four buttons on the back as well, which is odd. <laughs> you know, it, they feel they don't feel like super intuitive where they are. Your, your hand kind of touches them occasionally every now and then by accident. I didn't actually use them uh, for anything when I was actually playing, except maybe once I think in Skyrim where you can kind of put quick save or audio, you could tap that quickly to do a quick save, which was handy. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm sure some people will definitely find a use for them. Um, but yeah, that kind of first impression, taking it out of the box, booting it up, using the software, um, which is really, really streamlined. You know, Valve have done an incredible job um, of making it feel like it is an actual console. Um, every now and then you're very quickly reminded it's not. Um, but yeah, it, it just felt great in the hand, felt easy to use. And that was kind of, you know, one of the biggest surprises for me, definitely early on. Um, but I think, you know, those kind of early days, what most people seem to do with the deck from what I can kind of find out on Reddit online is you're just going through this this kind of scenario of booting up games. You know, oh, the Witcher, let me try that. You, you play it for 10 minutes, you fiddle around the settings, you go, oh, maybe, I wonder what Cyberpunk would look like in this. You jump off, you do that. That kind of went on for several days. Um, and the reason is, is that this thing is a little powerhouse. It's an incredibly powerful um, little portable for what it is. Um, you know, I won't go into the exact technical specifics, but it really is the equivalent of having a fairly decent gaming PC squished down into the size of, you know, a very large Switch. Um, where you kind of look at the Switch and kind of what that is, you know, it's more on kind of the mobile gaming side of things. The deck genuinely feels like it has some, some power behind it. Um, that, you know, you really, especially when the fans kind of kick in, it isn't too often, actually. You know, they're, they're, they're quiet enough. Um, but you really do feel like it's a proper little PC and it can, it can really push games very, very far. Um, but one of the main selling points, obviously, behind the deck from kind of day one was its ability to play, you know, brand new AAA games, you know, on the go. Um, and I think it has actually kind of pulled that off mostly uh, with the odd caveat here and there. Um, the way it kind of works, I suppose, is, you know, on the Steam store, there's four categories of how, you know, a Steam Deck game will run. And they very helpfully actually, you know, kind of push them towards you, the verified games first. You can kind of, you know, start with those. Um, but verified is basically means it's been tested by Steam. It runs smoothly. The console can handle it. Um, no tweaking needed or anything like that. Below that is playable, which means the game can, you know, mostly run with a few limitations. I found that most times those limitations were very small um, and were usually around games that, you know, required you to use a keyboard something like that or games that were just you know literally too old to really really port the original swap being one of them it said it was playable but once it kind of got going and running it it was evident that not really you need to be plugging a, a keyboard or a mouse into the deck to kind of get the, the most out of it um and then finally you've got you know not supported and not known um i think the number as of today i think there's five thousand games that are either verified or playable on the steam store right now which you know you could I could stop the podcast there, right? You know that 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 really is one of the biggest, big selling selling points of of the Steam Deck. The fact that that library is so so massive, um, and then it's the games that actually did run. You know, um, that just still blows my mind whenever I boot it up. Um, I would say ninety nine percent of the time, games worked really smoothly. Um, you know, going back to that AAA kind of pitch, God of War, which I know is probably you know what four or five years, four years old now. Um, so it is a bit older, but having that run on a portable console so well, it's mind-blowing. 
Um, and then Elden Ring, um, which I, you know, I hope Steam don't listen to this podcast, but I bought it on Steam, paid for like an hour and then returned it. They already own it on um but it ran really really well um it, it, it like which was really weird to see um you know uh still you know kicked the shit out of me which is great that the game kicked the shit out of me on multiple platforms um but yeah you are of course you know dropping you know graphics things down you know to medium or whatever lowering the resolution as well um but because it's a smaller screen the game still look really great and they really really pop um and that is kind of the big wow factor factor with the deck i think you know most people when they think of it or wanting to see someone use it or borrow it or, you know, have a look at your friend using it um, is kind of, you know, oh, pop on something new, like throw God of War on The Witcher, you know, Elden Ring, et cetera. And, and it really is really, really impressive. Um, and I've had it for months now, and I still just occasionally find myself kind of gaping at the screen uh, when I see Cyberpunk running, um, having a huge renaissance now, um, or The Witcher. You know, games that just don't feel like they should be able to be played on the go do and they work really really well um which is just really really uh, incredible um now obviously with all that power you know um comes very possibly, you know all the power you know obviously comes at a bit of sacrifice um and you'll be correct there um uh there you know well that was a rhetorical question actually i was asking you and it's very annoying you talk over when i'm trying to record um but battery life can sometimes be you know really impressive and then can also occasionally disappoint. Um, with those kind of newer, more modern games, you know, you're probably looking at a max of 90 minutes of battery life. Um, you know, that kind of, you know, if you're playing it at, you know, 40 to 60 frames per second, not terrible at all. Like for myself, that's not a big deal. I live in Ireland, never going to be commuting longer than 90 minutes anywhere, to be honest. Um, so it's fine. And it charges pretty quickly. Um, but for, I know for other folks who really like to sit down and jump into a game for three or four, you know, five hours, whatever, harder to do that but with more modern games and you obviously can sit there and play with it plugged in I and mean, when you're actually playing with plugged in it actually runs off uh the charger and doesn't use the battery um and it does charge the battery at the same time but i think it's a really cool feature you know it won't wear your battery out if you're worried about leaving plugged in all the time um but i very helpfully have kind of like a little plug-in socket on my couch that's just kind of where i've been basically living my life uh, for for the last you know four or five weeks which is awesome um but older games like Deus Ex, um, Human Revolution, which I've been playing, you know, an awful lot of, um, you're getting about four hours of battery, which is, to me, is mind-blowing. Um, and that's at, like, everything maxed out, you know, uh, 60 frames, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, they did a game from, what, 2014? So, if, you know, you probably should be able to do that. But it's just, for some reason, it just looks so impressive. A game that when I played it, you know, nearly a decade ago, I didn't expect that I would ever get to play that on the go, um, which is really, really awesome. So if you are kind of buying the deck for older games in your catalogs, then battery life won't be a problem at, at, at any point. If you're looking at kind of those newer modern games, you want this to be kind of, you know, your 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 main, uh, I suppose, console for brand new releases, it'll be a bit trickier, um, but it's definitely, definitely doable. Um, it does also give you a huge amount of control on how long that battery will last though, which is one of the most impressive things about the deck really. Um, you know, I think one of the buttons on the front brings up this, very easy to use kind of slider system uh, in relation to the battery where you can change out the frame rate, the refresh rate, and even some more kind of technical specs like thermal power or clock control or some other kind of fancy things. Um, and I think this is really the type of person who will want to buy a deck. People who love to you know, kind of tinker with things and get them just the way they want it when they're playing it at the exact amount of frames, you know, using the battery a certain amount, uh, those are the folks who are really going to love the deck. 
Um, I do love the idea that, you know, I can actually change the wattage of how much, uh, you know, power we're pulling from the battery, which means, you know, the Witcher is a great example, right? You play the Witcher at 60 frames a second, uh, you know, at 60 hertz, really pushing the battery to full and trying to get, you know, the highest graphic settings you, you can. It's an hour and a half, um, you know, and, and really that's it. Uh, you're, you're not putting much more out of it. You drop that to kind of 40 hertz, 40 frames a second, you're pushing up over two hours which is really, really awesome. So if you're okay to kind of make that slight sacrifice, or maybe you, when you actually are on the go, uh, you can kind of, you know, adjust it and, and kind of just suppose, get that little bit more out of it, stretch it out of it. I think it's really, really cool to have that kind of, that kind of ability, um, which is really, really awesome. Um, oh, sorry, that actually reminds me. Um, uh, Liam told me to definitely be on top of um, giving our chance, uh, giving our sponsors a chance to talk. Um, so yeah, here's a quick, um, a quick word uh, from one of our sponsors. Uh, the Helen Kellen, Helen Keller Center for Deaf, Blind Youths uh, and Adults. Wow, thanks, Helen. That was that was inspirational stuff. Thank you so much. Um, I suppose one thing I should definitely talk about as well, and that was, you know, was one of the biggest reasons I was excited about the deck was the Steam library, you know, the Steam store. Um, as I said, I've had an account for, you know, more than a decade and I've, I've amassed, you know, a collection of, a quite a collection of games over time. Some I are fantastic, some are terrible, some I shouldn't have bought because I own them elsewhere and some that have just kind of set there, um, which I think is a problem many people have. Um, but I really think the Steam store itself is unmatched when it comes to the sheer, I suppose, variety and amount of games on offer. Um, and it's a huge advantage uh, for the deck over the likes of the Switch or, or even really Microsoft or, you know, or Sony, um, I think. Uh, now, you are reliant on some of the bigger console exclusives making their way to PC, but we've seen it with God of War, Horizon, um, even the kind of Uncharted collection. They're, they're slowly coming over. So you really could just have the deck and kind of get a taste of, of each different console and each different kind of, um, uh, you know, type of video game and, and really have it as your, your main, main thing. Um, but I think the, the real winner here from what kind of the Steam store is providing are the Steam specials. Um, and they are they are often and they are abundant. Um, Steam specials are basically just Steam sales. Um, but almost every single day, uh, there is a different one. Um, and so today I actually checked just before I kind of jumped on to record to see what, what's, kind of, what, what's kind of the big thing on sale today. So we've got the Batman Arkham Collection. Three great games, right? It doesn't have Origin because that was terrible. I'm not going to play that. Um, that's $9.99, which I think is, you know, for Arkham City alone, that's probably worth it. Um, you've got Shadow of Mordor, Mordor, excuse me, the, you know, Lord of the Rings, a kind of Assassin's Creed-esque um, third-person game, and $4.99, which is, again, just, you know, it's hard not to buy them. Um, and then if you go kind of some of the older titles, uh, Fall at New Vegas, which is, you know, again, more than a decade old, so $2.99. And again, feels like that type of game where I never thought I'd be able to play it on a portable console. So. Two ninety nine, you know, it's worth it's worth just giving it a go. What's that? Like, Cost of the banana. Um, almost, you know, every day there'll probably be something new on sale to choose from. And several times a year, Steam also do these kind of you know wider sales that last up for a week. Um, right now, I think at the end of October, we've got the the Halloween sale, which will be fantastic. Mostly kind of horror games. We all know how much I love those. Um, and then obviously the winter sale, which is kind of the, the big one. I think it, it, it starts around the same time as, say, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Um, but you can really get some you know, much newer games for 
quarter of the price. It, it's really, really awesome. Um, but I still find myself a month in checking out the store each day before actually booting up the game. Um, you know, and if I'm playing Deus Ex or, you know, Foot Manager or whatever, I'm like, oh, I'll just check the store quickly first just to make sure I'm not missing out on something. It shows you Steam just has their hooks in me. Um, they've had their hooks in me for a long time. Um, but to be fair, you do end up with kind of more games than you could probably ever play. Um, look, every every gamer's predicament. And as long as it's not costing you a fortune, then, then why not? Uh, adding to this as well, um, and I've only kind of dabbled in this a little, a little bit, uh, but I was able to get Game Pass working as well. So, you know, albeit now with you know, making the use of uh, the, you know, the, the streaming function, not actually being able to download the app to the deck, as I said, I don't think Microsoft actually you know, supported it. Um, but streaming it off of, you know, Google Chrome was fine. It worked really well. Um, you know, it wasn't not the easiest thing to have to constantly go into Google Chrome and then, you know, boot the game up and, and run it there and kind of, you know, a full page, but it did work. Um, and so that was a huge amount of games again that were available. Um, and that kind of sums up the deck in a way, right? Um, you know, at the end of the day, it is really a fully fledged PC. Um, so if you think a PC can do it, the Steam Deck can do it. Um, and that's what I kind of mean about, you know, finding workarounds for lots and lots of different things. Um, now, it depends on your level of patience, <laughs> Linux knowledge for sure, and blood, um, as a blood sacrifice needs to be given each time you step outside the Valve ecosystem. But what's it actually like to play? I hear you ask. Stop interrupting me, actually. Um, you know, questions at the end, please. Um, it's shit. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. No, honestly, it's such a joy to play. Um, I don't know what it is, but I've always found kind of portable devices so much more immersive and relaxing to play. Um, you know, going back to the, the DS or the, you know, the PSP, there's just something about laying on your couch, you know, headphones in and just getting lost in the game you're playing. Um, or for me lately, you know, playing Football Manager while the telly is on, you know, showing the football or, or Shinner's List or whatever, and just really kind of being able to relax and play that game and enjoy it. Because for a lot of folks, you know, you spend your entire day in front of your laptop, at, you know, in front of your PC, whether it's you know, at work or you work from home, it's nice to be able to kind of just, you know, hey, I want to kind of chill on the couch instead um, and kind of enjoy it that way. Um, I think if you stay, like, as I kind of said, you know, within the Steam ecosystem, things just really do work well. Um, you know, for the last month, I haven't touched my PS5 or PC, haven't talked to my partner, haven't even fed my cat. Um, and my partner is equally as impressed. Cat just seems to be sleeping a lot. But I think it, it just really is just an enjoyable, easy to use um, a piece of tech um, that 99% of the time has just worked. Um, and again, it just, the fact it plays so many games of such a variety. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, being able to play a full Avenger, being able to play, you know, Command and Conquer uh, with the, you know, the mouse pads at the front. Um, you know, Rome Total War, I booted up, again, an older game, but just the feeling of scale in your hands is, is really impressive. Um, and then just being able to log out, jump into something else. Um, which again, you know, I know this entire episode to be about the Switch, um, but again, it just does feel like that's what the Switch didn't really have. You always felt locked into kind of what Nintendo were offering you um, and the type of game they were offering. Um, and this just kind of feels like, you know, the uh, the chains have been taken off and you can you know, run wild and, and play with whatever you want, which is really, really, really awesome. Um, and now I've only kind of just now really started to graduate out of the phase of booting up a game, trying it for five minutes, being impressed and then trying another game. 
Um, and in fact, what I've actually been doing the last couple of days might not be actually even safe to talk about on the podcast. So hypothetically, let's say the Steam Deck could play games from the GameCube, the NES, the SNES, you know, the PS1, PS2, you know, every other older console generation you could think of. That'd be pretty great, you know, great, right? But it can, hypothetically. Now, not only can it do it, but it can do it really well, hypothetically. Again, it takes some workaround, you know, some Linux know-how and a lot of YouTube walkthroughs, but once it's up and running, it really is absolute magic. Or sorry here, I, w- I wouldn't know. Nor would anyone associated with the hit of it. But getting to play something like Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes or Breath of the Wild on the deck is just a really wild experience. Um, and it not only is you know performance generally better, but these older games tend not to really drain on the battery at all. So, you know, I put a Pokemon Red because why not? Um, we're talking about 10 hours of battery life, um, which is amazing. You know, almost I play through some of these older games. Um, but of course, I was in a dream, not in reality. I didn't actually do that. Booting up Breath of the Wild, though, as I mentioned, and I've mentioned a few times already, kind of led me to do a proper sit-down comparison. Um, I knew it happened eventually, um, and that was kind of really putting off and didn't know if I wanted to include this here or not. But how does the Steam Deck compare to the Sega Game Gear? No, obviously the Nintendo Switch. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll kind of tie in this to some of this, the kind of the deck's more obvious weaknesses, because there's definitely a few. It's, it's by no means perfect. Um, the first is one I'd kind of known well about before even receiving it, um, even kind of from the very early days of it being announced. You know, lots of YouTubers had kind of talked about this and jumped on it the minute it was announced, you know, as, as they do. Um, and that was the, the screen, um, the, the 1280 by 800 LCD screen, and it's included with the deck. Um, you know, it never really bothered me when I first played it for the first few days. I did feel it had kind of very large bezels, and you know, I was like, oh, it could definitely be bigger. Um, you know, and because it was crisp, it was clear, it, it genuinely didn't bother me until uh, one day I got the, the itch to play Mario Odyssey, which happens probably once a week. Um, I picked up the Switch OLED. Boy, oh boy, was there a, was there a huge difference. Um, that really was kind of hard to ignore, uh, to be really, really honest. Um, I think I played Odyssey for just a couple of hours and then kind of, you know, went back, had some dinner, and I was like, oh, let me pick up something else on the deck and, and have a go with that. As much as I hate to admit it, I could really feel the difference. Um, the deck screen suddenly felt so muted. Um, it just felt kind of a bit more bland. It didn't kind of pop. Uh, and like, obviously, it's such a great game on the, you know, the, the OLED as well. It's so colorful and so vibrant. And so I said, okay, let me, let me try Odyssey on the deck, you know, hypothetically, um, which took me a long, long time, hypothetically. Um, and the difference was, it was night, it was night and day. It, it really, really was. Um, now, of course, I understand that, you know, a huge part of what, the Steam Deck is as well, is that it is this kind of, you know, gaming PC, but that it's an affordable gaming PC. Um, for a lot of the tech you'll find in kind of in what is in the deck, um, you'll be paying a lot more if you were to buy a, a desktop PC that could run as well as it can. Um, and so Valve's big thing has been trying to kind of put PC gaming in more people's hands. So obviously more people will use, you know, the Steam store. Money, 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 Gabe. Um, but... Uh, so I understand why there's no OLED panel. It makes sense. It would have massively raised the price. I think OLED panels are still super expensive. Um, ESP had one uh, a long time ago, um, but I understand it. Um, and so I'm kind of caught between, you know, would I like the OLED panel? If I would have paid probably a few hundred bucks more. 
Um, I think so, because I think, you know, whatever the Steam Deck version 2 will be, if we do get that, and I really hope we do, because you know, it does seem like things have been going well, and it's been successful, and Valve are supporting it, um, but I can imagine that you know, version 2 will be an, an, an OLED panel. Um, I always thought they were kind of a little bit, uh, I suppose, sillier being blown out of proportion how much of a step up the OLED was, but that, and that was until I got the, the Switch, um, Switch OLED. And, you know, my old Switch was just tossed aside. Um, it really felt like an, an archaic piece of technology right away. Um, OLED makes such such a massive, uh, massive difference. Um, now, again, kind of going back to that kind of customization and that ability to, to do what you want with the deck, um, I've seen lots of people online who've been installing their own OLED panels into the deck. That is way beyond uh, the the capabilities of this uh, this young Irishman. Um, but it can be done. You can actually take out the screen and install a new OLED panel. And there is some really, really good uh, instruction videos on how to do that. Of course, it'll void your warranty and things like that. But it's doable. Now, again, you're sacrificing battery life again there because it needs more energy. But again, just give it. Valve giving you the chance to do that if you want to and making each Steam Deck kind of their own is, is just such a, a rare thing, I think, to see these days. Um, but again, look, going back to kind of the difference, I think once you kind of start spending more time at the deck again, you don't have the, you know, the Switch OLED right there or maybe an OLED TV in front of you, you become accustomed to the deck screen again. And it's absolutely fine. You know, and that, that would be kind of the word I would use. The deck does lots of brilliant things and great things. But the screen is fine. Um, it definitely could have been better, but it's not. And I think for kind of version one of what this is, it 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 it, it definitely it definitely works, and and, and it's okay. Um, another drawback as well I've kind of experienced with the deck is probably a bit of a personal one. Um, you know, I've never been a huge fan of Linux, and I haven't actually used it that much either. To be very very fair, but every time I have, I've found it a little bit cumbersome, a little bit difficult. Um, that experience has been the exact same on the deck. Um, now, I know Valve are very big endorsers of Linux, and kind of what it is and what it means to the community. It's kind of like this more kind of hardcore, uh, you know, operating system. Um, but anytime I just switch to the desktop mode of the deck, which is a cool thing to be able to do, you can literally just go from, you know, having this a fantastically, I think, streamlined UI that is, you know, very portable friendly, uh, similar to what the Switch offers, really. Um, and you can just easily pop over to the desktop version and suddenly you have a fully usable uh desktop PC really uh, in your hands. Um, you can use the touchpads if you want, you can plug in a mouse, a keyboard. It can be a fully operational PC, which is just pretty mind-blowing. Um, but it's just, it just doesn't feel, now again, this is personal, to me, easy to use. Um, Linux has a fairly steep learning, learning curve, I think at the best of times. Um, so it, it is tricky. Now you definitely can go through, you know, your entire life using the deck, never using the desktop. Um, but occasionally, let's say if you wanted to use emulation, uh, or you were using you know gaming libraries like Epic or GOG, you know then you need to embrace Linux. You need to jump into it. You can't really get those things going, you know, otherwise. And again, going back to the kind of the, the workarounds and the customization, you can install Windows. Um, you can you know get yourself a micro SD card, pop them in, and install Windows, which means you can you know boot up Windows or Linux. You have a choice then. But again, you know. You know, if I wasn't so lazy, I probably could have made my life a lot easier. But, you know, hey, my dad might also be proud of me if that was the case. But here we are. Um, honestly, though, I tried my hardest as well to kind of think of some other complaints or issues I've been having at the deck. I really did. If you've heard me on this podcast before, 
uh, I'm probably, I would probably call myself a pessimist. So I generally tend to pick out the kind of the negatives or the, the flaws first. I really couldn't find any. Um, the last month, I've just absolutely, I, I've really, really enjoyed using it. Um, and I'm just so, so glad I, I, you know, Val have, have, have brought this out and have made it. But one thing I was actually asked at work that was, that was kind of interesting last week was, would it replace the Nintendo Switch for me? Now, if my you know wonderful friends you know Liam and Owen were here and they said you know hey would you think this would replace you know the switch for John they'd probably say yeah it definitely would um, you know I I definitely am someone who's a bigger fan of PC gaming than you know Nintendo and its ecosystem in general um, but weirdly in my world I think they can definitely coexist um, you know and that's because Nintendo's exclusives um, which they definitely know which is definitely the reason they operate the way they do um, but I'm always going to want to play them. You know, I'm always going to play the new Mario, Breath of the Wild, Mario Kart. Um, they're just, they're brilliant. They're, you know, if I look at the last 10 years and some of my favorite games that have come out, a lot of the top 10 would be Nintendo-based. Um, and again, wouldn't really put myself up as a big Nintendo fan um, for a lot, of their, a lot of their games. But, you know, to me, the deck trumps the Switch in every other area, except the screen and those exclusives. Um, and so I think if you had to choose between them and you're not a massive Nintendo fan, then I think it's actually a pretty straightforward decision. The, the deck is cheaper. Um, it, it just has so much more variety to it. Um, and the, the amount of games at your disposal is, is massive and growing at such a rapid rate. Which is something unfortunate is just does not seem to be happening with the Switch. Uh, I can't remember the last time uh, I, I purchased something new on the Switch. It feels like there's been nothing really major released for, for quite a while now. And then obviously with Breath of the Wild 2 being pushed back and all that, we might be waiting a little bit longer or something for something new. Um, but I guess then that kind of also asks the question, you know, who is the deck for then? You know, and I think the answer is probably not actually everybody. Um, I think the biggest reason that it does lack that kind of plug and play kind of feel that, you, you know, the Switch would have. Um, you know, with Switch, you pop in your cartridge, you download your game, you turn it on and you're, you're in the game. You're, you're you know off you go. Uh, the deck needs, I think, uh, you know, more tinkering than that. Um, it is a PC, so sometimes games just won't work or they just won't load. Hasn't happened to me, you know, that often, but it definitely did. Now this is patience built up over years of using PCs, where you know, uh, particularly you know, I had a lot of Dell PCs, uh, you know, growing up. They just suck, um, and so just kind of that patience is built up over time. I'd understand for folks maybe who don't play. Video games all the time, or you know, I know a lot of people bought the Switch because of their kids or work is very busy, they haven't much time, and the Switch is this great little thing you can kind of boot up, play something for an hour, you know, put it to sleep and pick up exactly where you left off the next day. The deck can do that. Um, but to get to that point, you do have to have some tinkering to get a game to work the way you want it, you know, you know, unless it is a verified older game, it's not always gonna run right away out of the box. And that will put some people off. Uh, you know, it, it definitely, definitely will. Um, and so I think it'll be jarring for them. Um, but I think, you know, for folks who have been kind of primarily PC users, um, you know, their entire life, um, you know, I think this is probably the most console like PC gaming has ever felt. And I think it's, it's a beautiful kind of mix of both. Um, and, and I'm definitely, uh, definitely all here for it, but I'll definitely be keeping my switch. Um, but again, I'll worry to probably gather a lot of dust until, uh, the, the new Zelda pops out. Um, it did used to be my go-to for indie gaming as well, I, I would say, but Again, I was taking a look before jumping on here. You know, why would I buy Limbo or Inside? I think they're nineteen ninety nine each on the Switch when I last checked, um, as opposed to them being nine ninety nine on the deck in a bundle. 
you know, or play them for free on Game Pass. Um, so it's it's hard to really kind of see, uh, you know, the Switch ever, you know, becoming uh, as big an addiction as it was when it first came out for me. Um, kind of, you know, taking that mantle again. I think it's probably always going to be the deck now from a portable point of view. Um, but hey, look, maybe the deck would provide enough competition, um, you know, for you know Nintendo to maybe rethink how they're selling their games. Um, but again, big pessimist here, probably highly unlikely. But, you know, in conclusion, probably pretty clear, um, I've fallen in love with the Steam Deck. Um, you know, after using it, you know, an awful lot uh, for this, uh, this last month, um, it really is kind of what I wanted the, the Switch to be originally. You know, this portable device that can play mostly everything I would want it to play and not be kind of tied to a single, you know, ecosystem to give me as much choice and flexibility about how I buy my games and about how I play my games and where I want to play them is just an incredible thing to, to have pulled off. Um, you know, I think you know, 90% of the time, it really is magic. The other 10% of the time is is a bit of frustration, for sure. Um, definitely trying to get things working, getting things tinkering, um, you know, playing, kind of looking, you know, maybe finding a game you love, but saying, oh, it's unsupported, or, um, you know, it, it, it's just playable, but there's some massive limitations. Um, that can be frustrating. Um, but I think, you know, my other consoles really, the last month have barely gotten a look in. Um, you know, I've been playing the, the deck basically everywhere, you know, getting the train to work, busing into town, funerals. Um, I found it pretty amazing to be able to just jump into a massive game, you know, wherever I am and, and kind of not sacrifice the graphical you know, fidelity of the game or the performance, having to have it dumped down. Um, just trying to experience the game the way I would if I was sitting in front of my PC, um, which is a, you know, such an incredible thing to be able to, to, be able to say. Um, I really do hope Valve kind of keeps up the amazing support they've given us so far. I mean, the amount of updates that have come out since day one has really been incredible. Um, and the amount of kind of customization that continues to come out. And of course, the community, which is something that, you know, really that should have a, an episode of its own. Um, the, the Steam community is massive. The Steam Deck community has is huge already. I think it's, it's half a million followers on Reddit or something like that are already which is really, really crazy. Um, but what you find is, Here's a great example. I went to, to boot up Oblivion and the Elder Scrolls Oblivion, which is a game from I think 2006, 2007. Um, and it was, it was actually, funny enough, the Steam hack said it was verified, but again, that actually wasn't the case. I mean, maybe a mistake or an issue there. Um, but it, it wasn't mapped correctly uh, button-wise. Um, you know, I couldn't sprint, I couldn't run. Uh, using the inventory was impossible because it, it just hadn't been mapped to the buttons I was provided. Um, Kind of bummed out. It was actually one of the games that was one of the first ones I picked up because I never actually played, you know, fully through. And I thought, wow, perfect place to play it. Jump in the deck, um, you know, hundred hour game, whatever, e easy to play it in the deck. Um, I was really bummed out. Didn't work. Um, but went into the community and within minutes and found a community made um, a button map configuration for Blue, um, which is incredible. Easy to download, easy to map it over. And again, I was up and running uh, playing Oblivion the way I wanted to. I've been playing it lots in. Um, but I think that's just a great example of of kind of the how the community is going to lean into the, the deck here and how they're going to make it an even better console uh, as time goes on. But again, that kind of, you know, if, if, if someone is expecting something much, you know, more plug and play, easier to use, that's going to put them off. Um, and, I, and I understand that too. I, I do get that, especially in the world we live in now where, you know, uh, Attention spans are smaller and people want kind of that instant gratification from what they're using, especially if they're parting with, you know, a lot of money, which I think is fair again. Um, so I, I totally, I totally do get that. 
Um, but look, you know, I could talk about this for hours and hours. Um, but unfortunately, I do have to pop down uh, to the, the Gary station there and post Liam's bail. Um, so look, you know, it's been an absolutely awesome recording again here. Uh, amazing props again to the guys for, you know, churning out, you know, episode after episode. They're so good. They're so enjoyable. They haven't skipped a beat. And Liam as well for those those solo episodes because this was really, really difficult. I'm sure you could tell. Um, but look, I hoped uh, you enjoyed listening to me meander for, you know, 45 minutes. Um, uh, honestly, again, pleasure coming back here again to do this again. Hopefully I'll get to do another one soon. Um, maybe Far Cry 5 and how terrible it is. And you can hear me swear uh, for, for a couple of hours. Um, but look, bye for now. We'll be back again soon with another episode. Um, and again, thanks for taking the time to listen. And you know, bye-bye.